0: This is The Guardian. I'm Grace Dent and this is Comfort Eating from The Guardian. A podcast where we pay homage to the lesser celebrated foods in life. Because even as a restaurant critic, I believe the food that matters most is often that snack you cobbled together when you curled upon the sofa. Each week, I ask my guest to lift the lid on what comfort foods have seen them through their lives because you can tell a lot about a person from what they eat behind closed doors. Hello, friends. I am just arriving at my kitchen because I have spent the morning walking around my house looking for furniture that needs fixing. And that is because I have the one and only Jay Blades, furniture restorer, coming round in a mo. He is presenter of The Repair Shop, a program that, in five years that it's been running, has shot from daytime telly sideshow to a missable prime time cocktail of tradesmen, trinkets, and tears. I've got a second, though. I'm going to get on. I'm going to have a little bit of a snack. I have got A beautiful piece of Farmhouse Kirkham's Lancashire on the go. I'm just kind of easing away at it with a knife, just little bits here and there. Doesn't make any impact with calories that way. I've got a tin of olives on the go, black olives in their brine, eating them with a spoon. It's not attractive. Mm. Mm -hmm. It's so salty. Jay is a regular on our tallies now and a champion of sustainability, social enterprise and inclusion. But from his violent youth in London to his undiagnosed dyslexia and his mental health struggles, his road to success has been bumpy. And I want to hear about it all. I've also heard He's a man who never stops snacking. So I'm itching to know how food has fueled his journey. And on that note, I think I've got time for just a slither more of this cheese before the doorbell goes. Mmm. Jay Blades, welcome to Comfort Eating.
1: Hello. Thank you for having me. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I've got a cup of Rosie Lee, I'm good.
0: I do like to get a cup of tea down the guest when they come in. Yeah. I feel like it's a quite a zen thing.
1: Yeah. The cup of, well, for me, tea is um yeah, quite important. It 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 takes me back to the East End and where mm. we are now, so mm-hmm. it's quite nice. Double yeah. bubble. Yeah. Yeah.
0: We're gonna talk about that. Yeah. Before that, I'm gonna ask you a question okay. because you are you know your way around a piece of furniture you are quite the expert so my question to you is yeah. what is the best kind of sofa to eat your tea on <laughs> do you want something really squashy? do you want something with a bit of uh, a bit of structure You know, like, I would say, I'm not putting words in your mouth. No, go for it. You know one of those um, L-shaped ones?
1: Okay, so you can lie down or you can put your feet up and all that kind of stuff.
0: You can sit in the corner. Yeah. You can put your feet up, but then you can have a whole tray. You'd have a whole smorgasbord. You could have a buffet. You
1: you could, you could. I I like a sofa that has a high back. For me, it has to have back support. The seat's got to be firm. But a little bit, kind of like feathers in it as well. So a bit of a mixture. I'm, a, I'm a weird one. I am. I'm proper. Um, <laughs> I want it firm, but then I want it soft, and I want it with a high back. And sofas don't often come with a high back.
0: This is the part of comfort eating where you bring in your ultimate snack for me to try. Yeah. Unveil the snack, please, Jay Blades. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Oh, okay, right. What is in front of me is two wrapped buns.
1: That's right, yeah, well done. Bun
0: bun and cheese? It is bun and cheese. It's bun and cheese. Yeah,
1: you say what it is and that's what it is, it's bun and cheese.
0: It's bun and cheese. Do you know how I know what bun and cheese is? (laughs) Go on. Because a couple of girls went on uh, X Factor years and years ago, and they right. came out, and they went, it was, Simon Carl, what's your name? Mm. Bun and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm now getting to eat oh, bun wow. and cheese. Okay. Yeah,
1: this is the real deal. This is-,
0: is this like a specific brand, though?
1: Well, loads of people make bun and cheese, but this one is from, I believe it's from, yeah, Sunshine Bakers. Um, And it is, I'll tell you what, right. this is the comfort food that I always... Have around me. I don't have some today because I didn't have any in the house. Oh, I was got butter in there already. Oh come on, this is um, this is the one.
0: My mouth is literally watering. I have, I have, at the moment I'm not listening to a single word being said. Yeah, it is brown, slightly sticky, sweaty yes. carbohydrate, <laughs> smothered in butter. Yeah, with a load of cheese. A,
1: a, a doorstep of a cheese. Oh. I mean, it's a, it's a a proper slice.
0: Um fill time for me while I go in. <laughs> um oh my god. It's like a religious experience.
1: <laughs> I've never heard anybody explain it like that before.
0: It's got cinnamon in it, is it cinnamon and yeah, cloves cinnamon. Um, it's like a hot cross bun.
1: That's what it's like. A hot I'd... cross bun with more I think more Caribbean spice in there. It mm-hmm. just I don't know where the stickiness comes from because there's no glaze on the top of it or anything. This is something that um I have almost every week, and it's mm. my childhood was spent on these kind of things, bun and cheese, absolutely beautiful.
0: Is that is that my lipstick, or is that ch-
1: That's ch- a glass of cherry, cherry as well. yeah. They cherry. put it all in there.
0: <laughs> when do you eat this?
1: All the time. With a cup of tea is best. Um, mornings, afternoon, and evenings. If you want a snack, this is what you have, bun and cheese.
0: Does it have to be mature cheddar?
1: I like mature cheddar. Some people like another form of... Um, cheese, but mature cheddar, I think, works perfectly.
0: And proper butter. Mm. Yeah.
1: Proper butter. Not the stuff we used to have back in the 70s, which was um, close to plastic. But this is proper butter. Wow. Mm. So, mm. you
0: were born in 1970. Yeah. You grew up in Hackney in London. Mm-hmm. Not not far from where we're recording this. No. If me and you set off walking, we could be there in about 10 minutes. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> you say, you remember playing in the sunshine with my mates, mm. laughs around the estate mm. and skipping everywhere. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't picture that now. I can't mm. picture you skipping. No, I,
1: I did skip the other day, though, saying that. Skipping is a sign of happiness. I used to skip yeah. to my cousins. Um oh that was up the road in um, Stanford Hill because we always used to have a lot of fun. So it was kind of, wow, well, it was a really nice time being mm. in Hackney. I mean, it was unbelievable to the extent where it's still, when I close my eyes, I can still remember it. I can still see the council estate. I can actually see the path that I used to take up to my cousins and skip. Yeah, good times.
0: God, your face just mm. is looks so happy when you... Yeah, no, I had a
1: beautiful time. I think mm. my childhood, up to about eleven was really, really good. And I know some people don't have a good childhood, but my one was all right. It was rough. It was yeah. poor. Mum was quite strict. But yeah, I had a brilliant time. I had the best time.
0: You lived with your brother, Justin. Yeah. Your mum, Barbara. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had moved to England from Barbados when she was a little girl.
1: Yeah, about 14, I think she was, when she came over. Yeah.
0: Tell me about the kitchen at home at that time. Wow. What was on the cooker?
1: What was on the cooker was a pot that was, um. it was quite a basic pot. I remember this, th- th- there was a pot and there was a frying pan, so the pot was silver
0: yeah. and it
1: had a black handle and it had a had a lid that also was black. But I think it might have been, oh, what was, that? was it? I think it might have been bakelite. It was some form of early plastic is what yeah. it was. The yeah. frying pan, well, all around the edge was like kind of burnt. It was um <laughs> black and the yeah. handle was the same.
0: I loved that, like, the in, in the 70s, how, like, your family would maybe, they'd clean the inside of the pan, but then the outside, outside was yeah. just...
1: You just knew what was happening last year or last week. It's like, <laughs> it was just there. The evidence is there. And I think we used to have this thing, I, I think it was called a Brillo pad. Yes. Like a, a metal thing. Yeah. They used to have to... Yeah. Watch, and that didn't work on that thing. It didn't no. work on a frying pan. Nothing worked. On, you had to just throw it away because it was the end of its life. But I remember mum cooking in there, all the women around me were brilliant cooks. I didn't have to learn anything because yes. I had my aunties. Everybody was cooking food. And I got Auntie Anne. She used to cook these cakes. Unbelievable. I love her cakes. Give us um, an
0: example of the your Auntie Anne yeah. is coming round. It's somebody's birthday or special occasion. What's the cake you want Auntie Anne to get out of that tin?
1: Well, she would cook uh, probably about three different cakes, but she always made one for me because I'm quite boring. So it was just vanilla or Victoria's sponge. Yes. Me? But she would have sweet bread. She would also cook buns. She could cook bread itself. Auntie Anne is just unbelievable when it yeah. comes to cooking. And any time we used to go round there, the bowl was always mine. Because you know you make a cake yes. and then you get a bowl, you can lick it and have all what's left in there. Yeah. I used to have all of that. That just was mine. Just
0: used to sit there. It's With my like, fingers. Yeah.
1: Eating that bowl, licked it out. They didn't have to wash it after.
0: So you've got a sweet tooth.
1: Unbelievable sweet tooth.
0: you I, see my ass. I, <laughs> I've... <laughs> Heard about this sheer almost ecstasy you feel when your mum mm. lets you use the change yeah. she gives you for running errands to buy sweets.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: so this is it. You're a little boy, but you've got a sweet tooth then.
1: I did a sweet tooth then. I still, I'm 52, yeah, I'm 52, I? and I still got a sweet tooth. And it's kind of embarrassing to the extent where at the repair shop they have this kind of. I don't know, we only call it a box for me, and it is just full of sweets. Yes. Like, and they know that after my breakfast or whatever I eat, I'm going to have a Tuxton tea cake, probably two oh, of those, Yes, and then a Mars bar, and then um, a, a Twix sometimes to top it all off.
0: Your morning your morning snack is <laughs> a, a Tuxton tea cake, a Twix, and, and a Mars bar. I,
1: don't hold it against me. I think it's cool. I think that's all right. There's nothing wrong with that. Everybody should have a pudding after every meal. Isn't that right?
0: I don't think after breakfast, though, Jay, to be honest, no. You should. Put it in after breakfast. What's wrong with that?
1: Touch, I'll tell you what, touch the tea cake with a cup of tea and then top it off with a Mars bar is just the right texture, I think, after you've had your breakfast.
0: The, uh, the demographic of mm. Hackney has yeah. changed quite a bit God, in blind. the last few decades. Hasn't yeah. It? And the version you grew up in was very different to today's version. So if you cast your mind back, Mm. what was it about Hackney then that was so inspiring to you as a little boy?
1: I think what was inspiring was Hackney was Hackney was a community then. So everybody in Hackney had the same thing in common. We were all poor. There's these beautiful Victorian houses there, massive. And mm. they were full of squatters. They were full of people just living mm. a new age, let's say. For instance, yeah. the council didn't really care too much. But the thing that really inspired me was just how you would go around to people's houses. And they wouldn't have much. But food was the thing that joined us all together. You would go there. One of my friends explained it where if you came out on the street and you met up with your friends and you had a packet of crisps, you have to share it with nine of you. It was just the way it had to be done. You couldn't just sit there and eat it by yourself. If you wanted to do that, you would have stayed at home. But coming out, you had to share. So when you went to someone's house, they would share food with you. If it was dinner time, they wouldn't say, oh, no, I don't have enough for you. They would make sure they've got enough.
0: You met and became friends with someone around this point, that when I heard this, it just makes so much sense. Hmm. DJ and Roger present a Spoony.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. We went to school. I think we knew each other from mm. primary school.
0: Yeah,
1: you know, everybody in in the quote unquote um ghetto used to have a nickname, and I nicknamed him Spoony because no. yeah, because his legs are shaped like a spoon because he used to play <laughs> football all the time. Um, so we had a friend of mine who his nickname was Beans. Um, because he always used to fart, so he said they had beans. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, so everybody had a nickname. I mean, it was unbelievable. But Spoonie, yeah, we grew up together.
0: <laughs> it feels as if you have this really lovely childhood, but then you go to secondary school in Highbury. It's a yeah. couple of miles away. Yeah. And it feels like you start to have a hard time there yeah. um, at the hands of fellow students. Mm. And then it becomes quite a, viol- a violent time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's when violence stepped in. So about 11 years old, violence stepped in. And it stepped in because when you're growing up in Hackney, you don't actually experience any racism or anything like that. Mm. Everybody's all together, black, white, Chinese, Asian, the whole shebang. And you Mm. never hear names being called. And then um, when I went to secondary school, people were calling me these names. And because I never heard them, I thought they were names of endearment. It's only when I brought those names back to my community in Hackney and some of the elders are saying, well, why are you calling me that for? I say, oh, that's what they call me at school. Very naive, yeah. 11-year-old. And they're like, no, 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 that's a racist name. i am coming to your school tomorrow, show me who's calling you those names, I'm going to have a word with them. I didn't realise that going back to school the next day, I'm going to have to face those guys because mm-hmm. he's not there to protect me. So that's when fighting started. I believe it was, I think it was over the second or the third week in my first year, up until... Fifteen, I got kicked out of school for fighting. Every day was fighting.
0: One thing that you did like about school, yeah. apparently, yeah, was school dinners.
1: Oh, come on, stop it. Well, if I could, I would open a restaurant tomorrow with school dinners because school dinners for me were the ones yeah. I loved. The only thing I didn't like at school dinners was trifle and rice pudding. That was it. But everything felt okay. the kidney. The liver, liver and onions, the mashed potatoes, the cabbage, the spinach, the puddings that used to have the... It was a sponge with this white thing on the top. I think it's icing. Yes. And then it had this sprinkle stuff on it. I'm yeah, thinking.
0: hundreds and thousands. Yeah, sprinkles, that stuff. Yeah. And then we had
1: chocolate pudding with chocolate custard. Um, we had apple pie. I tell you, the cooks in our school were unbelievable. I love those ladies. And then I used to get... Um, I used to get paid in puddings because a lot of people were being bullied at our school. So they would come to me and say, oh, yeah. this person's nicked my bag or he's took my trainers. I've got to go back home and I haven't got them. Um, or this one's picking on me because of my race. And then basically they would say to me, "Jake, can you have a word or get my bag back? Here's a pudding. So we'll all have this ticket, you know, like free dinners. <laughs> ah. So I ended up like this table just full of all these puddings. And then I'd have to go and sort people out.
0: So you had... Mm. Essentially, you were running a protection racket paid yeah. for by Puddings. sponge pudding. <laughs> it's all right isn't it? <laughs> I have this theory, though, with school dinners <laughs> that those foods end up meaning so much to us throughout our lives because yeah. 70s and 80s school was hard. The kids were horrible, yeah. like they were in, in a comprehensive school. Yeah. The yeah. kids were. Some of them were lovely, but some of them were absolute, like, they were horrible. And everybody went around being horrible to each other. And the teachers (laughs) were a bit violent. And then (laughs) at 12 o'clock, a bell went and they gave you, like, some custard and sponge. Yeah, that's it. it. And that never goes away, does it?
1: No, it doesn't. I love, love school dinners.
0: You start working in construction mm. or the manual labour. Yeah. And at 21, you move to Oxford yeah. to work at a charity and homeless hostel called Oxford Cyrenians. Oh, yeah, wow. So wh- what are you doing there?
1: Yeah, Oxford Cyrenians is a really... I think Oxford Cyrenians is what turned me and made me appreciate people and appreciate life. But Oxford Cyrenians is basically kind of like a big hostel. I believe we had probably about 150 mainly men that was in there um some of them had uh, mental health issues quite a lot of them were alcoholics and had been homeless um and then this was kind of like kind of like a halfway house so once they've spent time in a night show they'll come there they'll be assessed and see how long they can stay dry and then they'll move them on to another house and then there were some people that were could, they needed a higher care plan so they had no legs or medical conditions that yeah. they needed people to look after them so that's what I used to do there look after those people I think the, the, the thing that helped me was Hackney, my childhood, mm-hmm. because my childhood was very, very supportive by the community. So what I found being in Oxford Cyrenias, is that I never knew there was a role for something like that, someone to have compassion and care for someone. And I found it there where you're speaking to people who had a family, had a life, had a career, and then they just hit rock bottom and they needed that support. They needed people to actually care about them Um, or just listen to their story and then Mm. offer them guidance in a way. And that's what I got in Hackney and that's what I offered there.
0: And this is like a massive turning point in your life?
1: Yeah, that was... um, For me, it was huge because of the stuff that I did there. I did a lot of um, looking after them. So barfing people, putting suppositories up in people, delicing people, getting people to come in, um, after they've been on the streets for months and they've spent yeah. like a night at a night shower and then you have to take them in this room and get them to strip, give them a bar of soap and just get them to wash down. It's quite, it's it's really, really humbling when you do stuff like that to the extent where you don't really want to complain about anything because you look at someone who's got their whole life's possessions in a carrier bag and it's yeah. not even full and you're like, wow. And there's someone complaining, oh, I haven't got the latest trainers. It's like, get a grip, mate.
0: You had your first son at 20 years old. Yeah. You have a second one a few years later. Yeah. Much later, you have a daughter. Yeah. You refer to your father as the man who contributed towards my birth because there was very little involvement in your life. Yeah. So what kind of a dad were you at the start? I
1: was rubbish. If you you can't see it, you can't be it. So I never had a kind of male role model as a father around me so Mm -hmm. being a father so young because if I had Levi when I was 20 and 21 I was working in Oxford so I wasn't with the mum I think we split up about six months after he was born so I never knew how to maintain a relationship it just wasn't the case I couldn't Mm -hmm. do it and it's because I never saw that around me so when you don't see something you can't imitate it or you can't ask the questions Mm -hmm. and the man that contributed towards my birth—he—it's it, only later on that I realised that he has shown me how not to be a father. I was yeah. a rubbish father at the beginning, but then later on down the line, I think I've been an alright father.
0: Yeah, what are you yeah. like as a dad now?
1: I think I'm tip top, but you have to ask the kids that. You know and I mean? They come to me all the time a bit. I—I I call them Oliver Twist. You know Oliver Twist? He's got this bulb. <laughs> Please, sir, can have some more? That's—that's that's all they do. Hello, yeah. <laughs>
0: like that well when you see them coming towards you with like big eyes you know that they need something they
1: need something and it don't matter I'll I'll give it to them all day every day
0: in your late 20s Mm. you're living in High Wycombe yeah to be within reach of your sons one of whom is in Oxford the other is in Luton yeah and they often come and stay yeah so what are meal times like then you're all round the table
1: oh meal times are really really cool um I was with my ex-wife at the time, and she coaches Turkish Mm. or half Turkish. Her mum's English and her dad's Turkish, and the food that she introduced me to was on another level because my palate was always the same: school dinners or Caribbean food or bun and cheese. That was it. I think the only thing exotic I ever had, well, there was two things: was a bagel, which is not really that exotic, and I went to a restaurant when I was sixteen when I used to work at a modeling agency the Wonki in Chinatown.
0: I know it very well.
1: Yeah. Since 16, that restaurant, I've been going there and eating the same dish yeah. all the time. It's quite crazy.
0: So you sit down, what are you ordering in Wonki?
1: Sweet and sour pork, Hong Kong style and special yeah. fried rice. Yeah. That's it, the same thing. So when Jade, when I got with Jade and she started introducing me to this food, it was just like, wow, like yeah. this is um different. Um, what
0: kind of Turkish stuff?
1: I mean, everything. She would cook it all. I never knew Turkish um, vegetables would be cold. It's it's kind of weird to eat that. Um, And I think for a couple of years, she knew I didn't like, I think it was feta and mozzarella cheese, so she didn't tell me what was in the ingredients. So um, I'd just been eating the stuff. And there was something that she made. It's like pastry with spinach, and it had this white stuff. I always thought it was dairy lead that she put in there. So I've been eating that for a couple of years, loving it. Yeah. And then a mate of mine come around and he goes, I didn't know you liked the, the feta cheese. I said, no, no, I don't like it. She don't cook it. It's not good for you. Said, they have a lot of this in Turkey. I said, no, but she does it without the thing. And he's looking at me. He's like, you don't know what you're eating, do you? I said, yeah, I'm eating. She cooks this all the time. It's got a bit of Dairy Lee in it. And he said, no, 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 that's feta in there, mate. And I looked at her and she, she's like, don't, she's tell, doing, him. don't tell him. <laughs>
0: In 2001, you enroll at uni as a mature student to study criminology. So, this is a man who's left school with no qualifications. (laughs) How and why uni?
1: I was working or volunteering at an organisation called Youth at Risk, which worked with youth that were at risk. Basically, I was chatting to this lady there, and she was quite intelligent. And I said to her, well, where would you get your intelligence from? And she said, uni. So I thought it was a bit like the Wizard of Oz. You know, you go to see the wizard, and they'll give you courage. You'll get a little certificate. That's it. So I called the uni up, and they said, oh, you have to write an acceptance letter to get in there. So I wrote one, which I cheated on as well. I went to the library. I got the librarian to type in like acceptance letters and she got one for Harvard that a person was in Brooklyn and he was applying to Harvard University and he got in with that. So what I did, I printed it and then I changed Brooklyn to High Wycombe and then I changed Harvard to High Wycombe and they gave me an unconditional offer. (laughs)
0: Look, first, well done because anybody that manages to, you know, book the system. But you didn't. You didn't have any o-levels
1: no i didn't think you needed o-levels i didn't I, remember i've no one in my family went to university yeah, yeah. the only one i knew was this lady and she said like oh that's where you get the intelligence from
0: so you i mean you get to uni what what was your reading and writing like rubbish it, i mean right.
1: rubbish I, I got tested at uni and okay. they said to me that i've got the reading ability of an 11 year old so i'm 31 years old with the reading ability of an 11-year-old doing two of the most text-heavy subjects, mm. criminology and philosophy. Yeah. It, it's not a good mixture. But luckily, the uni helped me out. They gave me a scribe, and you could talk to the computer, and it would just, like, start typing out what you said. Wow. Which was quite cool. You,
0: you arrive at uni when you're 30? 30, 30, 31. So you're a mm. mature
1: student. Yeah, yeah.
0: You meet another mature student. Yeah. Jade. Yeah. And together, you set up a charity out of the dark mm. to teach young people how to restore furniture. Yeah, It's your job these days in yeah. the repair shop that <laughs> many people know you for. But at this point, you've said you didn't really know anything about this world. No. What What is it about furniture restoration? Because it could have been anything, yeah, you know? It but it, why did you think that? The mixture of young people and old chairs mm. was a good mix. A good mix because on paper it almost sounds like madness, doesn't it? It does. Like it, you've got these young kids <laughs> that have got no, they've got no focus, mm. and you're saying, "I firmly believe that you should invest emotionally, yeah, in these old chairs." One
1: hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. The reason why is if you've got someone who's not very academic, all through school, they're being told, like, you've got to get your GCSEs and then go into college and go into university, and then it will equal you have a brilliant life. Now, if someone isn't academic, what are you offering them? There's absolutely nothing. Yeah. So, the skills that I believed when I was approaching young people with this, I would say to them, I'm going to teach you how to make money from nothing. And a lot Mm -hmm. of the young people who are not academic were a little bit naughty, so doing some unsavoury activities. So they were very interested in money. And I said to them, well, there's a chair over there that you guys have been kicking about. We can turn that chair into £150, let's say, for instance. And Uh they was like, what? I said, well, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, and then turn it around and then, hey, presto, if you take the right picture, you put it in the right publication, then it's going to be sold. And a lot of the young people feel who was a part of Out of the Dark, feel when their items have sold. Wow. In
0: 2015, mm. you're reported as a missing person. Yeah. You walk out of your home, mm-hmm. no phone get in your car, yeah. drive off. Mm-hmm. You wrote in your book, where was I going? I had no idea. Yeah. I just pointed the car at the road ahead of me and I drove. Yeah. You end up in Wolverhampton. Yes. In a car park. Yeah. What I can't get my head around is, so you're now, today, on mm. TV, absolutely smashing it. But this really wasn't that long ago. mm you know, just a few years ago. And, you know, as far as like a low goes in life, this is a big low. Mm.
1: What
0: what was going on then?
1: Everything flopped. So out of the dark flopped for me, the relationship. And the, one of the biggest things is I, 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 I reached, a, reached a point where I couldn't actually ask for help. Mm. I had a standing within the community where I was helping everybody. Yeah. So there was no way of me saying to someone, oh, can you help me? I need help during mm. this time. Yeah. It was kind of like a a role reversal. So one of the things for me was just get away from it all. I had failed in a relationship which I didn't want to fail in, but I didn't know how to make anything better. Mm -hmm. As I said, if you can't see it, you can't be it. So my idea was to basically get in a car, drive, and crash into a bridge. You know, drive at about 80, 90 miles an hour and then just turn into a bridge. But every bridge I came to on the M40 had a barrier and it was only when I got to... I think it was on the M five at the time, where the the light on my car was flashing, like the petrol light. And I remember pulling into a petrol station, pulled in there, put a little bit of petrol in, bought some cigarettes, and then went to this car park and stayed in the car park for about a week. I don't. So you I, just park up. Yeah, just parked up. It's yeah. kind of like you know them. Um, what are they called like a retail park where it yeah. has a number of different shops in there. Yeah. So you yeah. can just park up there. No one's really going to notice you because people are going there to do shopping yeah. or whatever. But I'd been in there for about a week and it's only when my car came out that I then got picked up by the police.
0: I mean, you're sitting just in the driver's seat of the car?
1: Yeah, driver's seat. I don't remember sleeping. I remember it being night and day. I remember seeing people come. The weirdest thing is, it's like you're in this in this world, but you're not here. It's almost like you're dreaming, you're really here. You're awake. You're fully awake. You understand mm. that you're sitting here, but it's like it's like your body's given up. Your soul, your spirit has just given up. I don't remember eating. Exactly. I don't remember going to did, toilet. Did, Nothing.
0: That, did, you must have walked into one of the shops and bought. Like, no, nah,
1: because the shops shut at a certain time. Let's say they shut at seven o'clock. I was still sitting in the car.
0: Your ex, Jade. Yeah. Yes. Calls a man. Calls yeah. Gerald Bailey. Yeah who is absolutely key to this story yeah. at this point. And she calls him for help. Mm. Basically, just because he's the only man she mm. knows in Wolverhampton and she doesn't <laughs> even really know him.
1: No, not that well.
0: He had just happened to buy some furniture from you years earlier. Yeah. So how, at this point in your life, does he end up being a man you now called? A brother.
1: The one thing with um, Gerald Bailey, there, are, everybody has this. Everybody has saints or angels that come into their life and you don't yeah. know it until you know it. Um, and he is one of those people. And one of the things that he did was he just came up and said, all right, what's going on? He put me in his car and just asked me and I just cried. And I mean, I proper cried. Like, it was like a little kid's cry, snot and everything, eyes and watering. I couldn't make a sentence. It was unbelievable.
0: So Gerald Bailey kind of gets the call. Yeah. He comes, kind of swoops in. Yeah. You've said that you lost a stone during yeah. this time.
1: Yeah, I lost a lot of weight.
0: You move in with Gerald. He takes care of you in his apartment. And then... He moves you in with his parents for a long-term solution. What was the food like?
1: The biggest thing they fed me was love yeah. and kindness. But food-wise, I had everything from ackee and salt fish. There was fried dumpling. There was plantain. There was eggs. There was corn. But there was this thing called bully beef and rice. So bully beef and rice is basically corned beef in a tin.
0: Yes. Um,
1: spiced up. And you have basmati rice with it. And it is sometimes you can just have... Bully beef and dumplings, yeah. and that is wow. Corn beef, yeah, but it's got to be in the so, can.
0: So wrong, but so right.
1: <laughs> it's beautiful stuff. What's in it? No one I, knows. I don't know. <laughs> I thought you was going to tell. Do you know what's in it? No one knows.
0: Oh. Wow. I don't even know. How do they get it in the can? I, I don't know. That's what, true. what what bit of the cow is it?
1: Wow! I tell you what, I don't even it's want delicious. to know. Delicious. <laughs> I know <laughs>
0: that. <laughs> when when you were a kid, it yeah. was always like. You'd always see the grown-up opening it with this key. Yeah. And yeah, it would like just basically make the can into this like lethal weapon that yeah. could give you like an arterial bleed. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, why would they make it so difficult to get it out of the tin? <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah. But yeah, so bully beef, bit of spice, yeah, and then rice. Oh
1: yeah. Yeah, it was the best time. It was like being reborn. And it was like being reborn in Hackney. So I had all of that nurturing coming back up again. And it was like Wow, this is it's only now that you can reflect upon it yeah. and say, like, that's what it did for me. But at the time, you don't really recognize it. Luckily for me, I can reflect being seven years on and I'm still living on Gerald Bailey's grounds. I still go around to his mum and stepdad's um, house every Saturday and have some food with them. They come over to me. At the moment, they're teaching my fiance Lisa how to cook some of these dishes and passing that um, heritage down. And then we have dancing sessions so they'll come around and we'll play some vinyl and they just have a dance together and we'll just yeah chill out
0: what kind of dancing
1: it's mainly in the old days we used to call it wallpaper dance music um
0: go on uh, i've never heard i've never Um, heard that before wallpaper dance music
1: yeah so in the old days they used to have these things called shubbins or blues parties someone's house all the furniture gone and then you put some plastic on the floor and they'll have music playing so a lot of people will be by the sides and the slow dancing is where two people come together and yeah. they're against a wall and what used to happen you'd be moving so sexually yeah. and so slowly yeah. that you would remove the wallpaper from the from the back of the That's wall. That's
0: just filthy.
1: Yeah, it's but it was gorgeous. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wallpaper music. <laughs>
1: yeah, cuz you can remove the wallpaper with your
0: dancing. Oh my god, you learn something every day, <laughs> especially on this podcast. Uh, most people listening to this will know you from the repair shop. Yeah, a TV show that sees members of the public they bring in very personal items yeah. that need some love. It reduces people to tears. Yeah, every week.
1: Yeah, in a good way.
0: Oh, I'm going to put you on the spot. What's Go been on. your favourite repair?
1: A lot of people ask me that, and it's very hard. It's imagine you've got five kids, and someone to you said to you, "All right, point out your favourite kid." How's the other four going to feel when you just pointed out little Jenny? It's not going to be right, is it? So all Jay, of the-
0: we're talking about chairs.
1: <laughs> I'm talking about no, you can't, because a lot of the time with these people who bring these items in, oh, it's the memories.
0: So I see what you're saying. Yeah, it's not the. It's not the item. No. Nah. It's the person attached. It's so person you don't want to choose one because nah, you can't. It's impossible. Your eyes are becoming a little bit watery. I did, look who's talking. They are. I think no, the band is repeating. Your <laughs> eye- <laughs> when I started talking about yeah. this, you look. You look-
1: no, because the repair shop is really, really special. I think yeah. what happens, you guys get to see probably three minutes of an arrival and probably about two, maybe three minutes of a reveal. And we're with these people for. An arrival normally takes anything between an hour and a half to two hours. Um, and yeah. some of the stories and the memories that you've got, that's why my eyes get watery, because yeah. it is special.
0: For those who haven't seen the show, the set, it's a little <laughs> bit like Santa's Grotto.
1: <laughs>
0: different craftspeople working away on different benches and yeah. upholstering chairs, bringing teddy bears back to life, you name it. Yeah. TV it takes very long hours and it requires your full energy. Yeah. So when you're at work, what food keeps you going?
1: Well, have breakfast in the morning at the hotel, a bowl of fruit, Okay. three glasses of water um, and then I have two boiled eggs and then I come and have another breakfast at the repair shop it's normally a cup of tea tea cake sometimes yeah. we run out because yeah. I eat a lot of them um, <laughs> and I have the I have this other thing this sweet candy kittens
0: candy kittens candy kittens, candy
1: kittens that's right. the one yeah you... I have them and then a Mars bar and then probably a packet of crisps walking back with a cup of tea I
0: mean, I've got to say this is a lot of food already and we've only really got to
1: <laughs> that's about 8.30 in the morning <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know and then we have 11s
1: and then we have lunch at one then i've dinner. how
0: do you get any tables fixed
1: i've got people i'm like the grown-up version of bagpuss
0: exactly yeah. that's I,
1: it i just got to sit there <laughs> that's all i've got to do
0: oh i loved bagpuss do <laughs> so you remember him? did were you a bagpuss person of
1: course yeah I think the repair shop is the modern day bagpus. Oh
0: my God, of course it is, isn't it?
1: Because they've got all the mice, they go, we can fix we will it. Wash it <laughs> we will and then there's bagpus just saying, all right, fix this, fix that. That's me, I'm bagpus.
0: Marvellous mechanical.
1: And look how big bagpus was.
0: Oh, he was amazing. See,
1: I'm working on it. I'm trying to get as big as bagpus.
0: Tug old cloth cap. <laughs> Last year. Yeah. You made a very special episode of the repair shop. You repaired something yeah. for our new king, King yeah. Charles. Yeah. There are so many TV pilots made every year. Yeah. I get asked to do loads of TV pilots. You yeah. know, you like you get the phone call, Britain's tastiest village, whatever it is. You know, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. the
0: vast majority of them, you make it, it goes nowhere. It goes nowhere. And the fact that the repair shop. Got through that, yeah. Got on telly, and it and it's now so much part of the fabric of the nation that you, like, I opened the paper the other day and you were just walking along with the king, yeah. That <laughs> <laughs> that is quite a journey.
1: It, it is. It's quite um to 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 look at where I was seven years ago in that car park,
0: yeah.
1: To now walking along as you say with the king, it's just like it is surreal. But the the, the funny thing is. Like when you walk along with someone like the king, and I hope I don't get my head chopped off for of what I'm about to say, but he's just a normal geezer. Yeah. He's just got a title, which is the king, King Charles III. And it's like, yeah. but he is normal. And the way that we connected, because I, I love heritage craft and he loves heritage craft as well, and apprenticeships. So we're, we're both very passionate about that. So when I'm from a council estate and he's from the royal estate, you might think that those two people never get on. Yeah. But the two of us got on like a house on fire. We were mm-hmm. mucking about in, in the barn. It was it was a nice time.
0: So you imagine
1: yeah.
0: you get a call later this evening. Mm. You were asked to design the Westminster Abbey throne for King Charles coronation in May next year. Yeah. What are you thinking?
1: It'll be made from recycled timber and probably timber from um the land of Dumfries House which is where he's got the Princess Foundation up in Scotland. It will be very comfortable on the seat, but it will be very rusty. That's the only place there'll be comfortability on there, is on the seat. But the rest would celebrate what he stands for, which is sustainability, communities coming together, and um, also young people making it.
0: Joe Blades, I honestly thought I was going to put you on the spot there, but you can't catch it out. You 100% just had a mood board and just showed me it. (laughs) Ooh. Jay Blades, yeah. thank you so much for comfort eating with me. No, thank you for having me. You're very welcome.
1: And having bun and cheese. Oh it's gorgeous. God,
0: this, honestly, <laughs> a little bit more. You've got that. Mm. Mm. This episode of Comfort Eating was produced by Jack Claremont. The executive producer is Lucy Greenwell. The music was written by Axel Kakutier mixing and sound design was by solomon king if you like comfort eating then please go and leave us a review and you can follow or subscribe so that you never miss an episode and use the hashtag comfort eating pod to get in touch about the podcast or share your own comfort eating delights this is the guardian